0: Hi, I'm Audrey Bellis, and you're listening to Brown Girls Rising, a worthy women podcast in partnership with Nylon Española. We tell stories about fierce, femme, leaders, and activists of color bettering our worlds. Let's get started. We are back in studio today with a very special guest. We have Patti Rodriguez. For those of our Worthy Women followers who have been with us since our conference last year, you know how I fangirl. I, you know, and this is – before I introduce you, Patty, I got to tell you. This is like one of the best things that I love about what I get to do. I get to meet all my Instagram fan people, like people <laughs> that I fangirl over in real life. And I try not to do this like, oh, my God, I fangirl over you so hard. Type I feel experience. the same way about you. <laughs> I'm really red right now, you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have here Patty Rodriguez, founder of Little Libros, on air with Ryan Seacrest. Patty, you are you are all the things, and the Mac for Selena. We're gonna talk about that in just a little bit because you guys all know how much we love Selena on this podcast. Patty, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Such a fan of yours. Um, I love your hustle. And it's very, you know, it's very inspiring to see how you're growing. And one of the beautiful things about Instagram is that we're able to see it like front row, you know, yeah. with, you know, all the women that we look up to. And it's 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 inspiring and also encouraging. And it pushes us to want to, you know, go, you know, toward our dreams as well, because we, you know, we see it from this group of women that we follow. And we're like, yes. you know what, we're, we we can do it too. Oh my gosh, it it really does. And,
0: you know, we were just talking before the podcast started recording, but I was just saying earlier how humbled I am sometimes that, uh, and especially lately, they get to look at the photos when I post them on Instagram. Or even like, oh my gosh, I'm going to post this. And this feeling of, I can't believe this is my life. And in particular, right after the Worthy Women LA Summit that we had May 17th, Mm -hmm. there was a photo that our photographer, oh my gosh, I'm getting like emotional thinking about it, took. And I'm giving the opening remarks right when it started. And all you see is a sea of people so far back that the photo cuts it off. Hundreds and hundreds of people. And I looked at that photo when she gave it to me, and I didn't recognize myself. One, because I just cut my hair. But two, <laughs> I looked at that, and I got so teary-eyed. And I mean, I cried, like, ugly in my office mm-hmm. that morning. And I and I posted this in the caption. But I said, uh, I don't know when I grew up to be this woman. Like, I don't know when this yeah. happened, but I can't believe that that's me, and that I get to do this, and that this is my life. And... That so many people are on this journey with me, right? Because Worthy Women really got started, and even this podcast with this idea of I feel alone. I don't see people who look like me. Mm -hmm. I'm not surrounded in a community of people that are like me, both culturally, religious, entrepreneurial, the things that I've gone through. So you have to go out and create Mm -hmm. it because you're like, where are my people? I need to find you. And it's incredibly humbling. And you certainly have created communities everywhere. I feel like that's what you do. You go and you <laughs> touch. You've blessed and you've done it. Yeah, uh. it's
1: it's pretty crazy. And I, and I feel the same way as you do where, you know, I wake up every morning and I'm like, you know, why did God choose me to do these things? Because they're pretty incredible things. Yeah. And then I think about it. I'm like, you know what? He created all of us to create every single person. And we sometimes forget that, you know, life happens. We yeah. give important things. I mean, we give things that Importance that are not important, and we get sidetracked. But I truly believe that every single one of us here in this country, in this planet, we are created to create, and we can tackle and we can tap into that into our heart. We can all change the world individually. Yeah, I I really believe in that. And
0: you've certainly done that. I mean, I love the story that you talked about during our conference with the Mac for Selena story, Mm -hmm. right? For our audience members you guys have heard me reference this before and patty i can't do it justice so i'll have you tell the story but i mean the fact that you're an everyday person i mean you do really cool things don't get me wrong you absolutely are not (laughs) just you're not everyday. you're not just an everyday (laughs) person but the story of how you procured that email and how you took it to the level that you did tell our audience members about
1: that how can i i mean how can i explain this but when I do things, I pretty much just do them because I get this itch and this passion and this like idea where I feel like this has to be done. This does not exist. Therefore, it should be done. In 2014, Mac had released um, the Merlin Monroe collection. I don't, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It was, you know, it had sold out. Like, it was huge. And I, and I looked at it and I said, you know, uh, Merlin Monroe has been, you know, has passed and she's an American icon. And. And if they can do this for her, why can't they do this for another American icon, for Selena, for yeah. Selena? And I thought about it and I said, you know what? I should email the CEO of MAC Cosmetics and just mention it to him in an email. And I Googled his email address <laughs> and I found it and I emailed him and a few other people, executives in the company, not thinking that they, you know, will ever even respond to my little email. And a few days later, they did. And they said, you know, thank you for your um, for your email. We appreciate it. In the email, I had written that, you know, if you go on YouTube, there's like, you know, a million YouTube tutorials recreating Selena's look. And then I emailed, you know, I told them the, you know, the millions of uh, Latinos in this country and how we are more likely than any other group to buy beauty products in the country. So it would just make sense. For them to do this as a thank you for their, you know, to their fans and their consumers. And, you know, that was that. It was just an email. I didn't think much of it. And then, I don't know, I think a few months later, the itch came back. And I said, you know what? I should probably create a hashtag on Twitter so it can go viral and create a movement. And I created uh, Selena Quintanilla for Mac, the hashtag. And it did not go viral. It was it just—it was a fake. Like, well, that's kind of a lot of letters. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. So that was a failure, like massive. And I said, okay, well that didn't work. And I just let I just let it go. And you know, here and there, I would sprinkle you know t- tweets about it, like you know, who would want a beady beady bomb bomb lip- lipstick? You know, raise your hand. Yeah. And it wouldn't create any traction, and it was like ah. You know, whatever. Just it's not a big, you know, it's it's just me being silly. And then uh, in 2015, two years ago, I saw this image online. It was so well done. It was an image of the MAC lipstick with the Selena trademark signature. Mm. And I really thought, wow, MAC is doing this now. Because the image was so good. yeah. And then I go and I Google it to try to find out, you know, when is the launch? When is the release date? I'm thinking it's done. It's happening. And I'm really excited. And it turns out that this image was actually created by Jose Figueroa, a makeup mm-hmm. artist, who was also aligned with the same vision and idea that, hey, MAC Cosmetics, like you're yeah. sleeping on this idea. You know, like this is need to do this. And that's when I, I said, you know what, I should do the petition now this is a perfect opportunity because that image was going viral. And I said, let me do this. I said, you know, with the petition and the image going viral together, I think it would be like it would just it would just make sense. Right. And I created the petition. I didn't think much of it and I just left it alone. I did my thing. A few days later, I'm looking at it and there's like 30,000 signatures and I'm freaking out because everyone's trying to reach out to me like CNN, NBC, and I'm like, what did I do? Like, what have I done? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. And I kind of like hid for a few weeks. Cause I just I was like, what am I like? This is getting too big for me. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this. Right. And I was in contact with Mac. I had told them that I did the petition and I had told him about the image uh, also going viral. Jose's image. Then Mac was like, thank you for your. For your passion, you know, this is, we, you know, thank you, just thank you. And I, and I don't know what came over me. I was like, this is not a suggestion, Mac. Like, you, you need to do this. This is us giving you permission to use our icon. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, this is us giving you permission. Because we own this. This is our culture. This is, this is, this is our icon. This is, this belo- she belongs to us. Yeah. And I immediately get a call from Mac, like, after that email. And they're like, well, what can we do? You're like, oh, duh, I already All told right. you that. There's an image, it tells you exactly what to do. It's a blueprint. <laughs> Come on. No, but they were so great, you know. And I said, well, you know, they're like, well, we can't, we don't even know if the family would wanna do this. And I was like, what? Well, you know, hold on. So I'm like Googling um, the Quintanilla family's contact information. And, and I called Suzette mm-hmm. and I said, don't think I'm crazy. She took my call, which was really weird because you'd be surprised I take so many cold
0: outreaches <laughs> when people dm me email me I am obviously not anybody
1: cool but I pick up everything well that's what I think too I'm like I'm not cool like you know this woman is like they're like she's like Quintanilla you know like yeah. she's not gonna be taking my little call so she took my call and I was just like I'm so sorry don't think I'm crazy <laughs> but MAC Cosmetics wants to get a hold of you I don't know if you saw in the news about this petition and right. well it got you know thousands of signatures and she was so great and she was amazing and you know like i cried to her which was like probably just so weird um but i told her you know how much her sister meant to me and meant to my family and to and i mean she knows these things but it felt nice to tell her yeah um and then i went back to mac and i said here's two phone number email address connect and i hope you know you guys can create magic together and that was it. And then a few months later, just like everybody, I saw the announcement and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that was it.
0: <laughs> I think that is so incredible for a couple of reasons. So, number one, her icon status. And you know, you use the phrase, she belongs to us. And that is so true. It is. I, yeah. because I, I can, I don't think we've ever had another Latina star like that that has really embodied what it means for first generation children, for mm-hmm. people that are ni de aquí ni de allá, right? Yeah. The accents, right? The pocha accents, mm-hmm. not being able to speak Spanish yeah. fluently. And mm-hmm. we've had several guests on the on this show that have said like people accuse me of not being Mexican enough, Latina enough, whatever mm-hmm. enough, because my Spanish is not very good. Cause we all remember estoy muy, muy excited. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right? We all, movie, I we've think, all been there. Yeah. When we forget a word. And yes, just like, ah, get stuck. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and just her presence and her spirit. Mm-hmm. I would argue that maybe Jenny Rivera would come in number two. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think she was more famous when she died. Because I remember it used to not be cool to like Jenny Rivera because I used to love Banda. My, mom, mm-hmm. my mom's Mexican and my mom used to tell me, you know, I can't believe you listen to such you know, chunt music. And I'm like, I love banda. But I was overcompensating because my dad's white. Like, nobody else around me. I was trying to be extra Mexican. You're trying to be extra
1: Mexican. Yeah, it Yes. Happens.
0: But the other part of that that really strikes me is I remember you telling that story, obviously, at the conference. And when we started this podcast and we were reaching out to people – I actually was able to secure a booking that we have coming up with Leela Downs because I remember <gasps> you telling that story and I Googled and I found her manager's email in a press release from like five years ago. Yeah. And I emailed him and I said, I don't know if you're still her manager because I can't tell from your very old website that looks like <laughs> pre-WordPress. It looks like a blogger Tumblr page from- a sign. <laughs> Like forever ago. But this is who I am. Here's what I do. And her song with Juanes recently, the words in this truly strike me as what it means to be a brown girl rising. I call. I said I like to call myself and the audience members hijas de la revolucion, and that's what she reminds me of. And she's sitting there with her zapatista, like, like bullets in the album cover. And he responded, and he, <gasps> he said, "Let me run this by Miss Downs and get back to you." Wow. And this was like a Friday at like 6 p.m. Oh man, I'm really getting emotional. And like two hours later. It's 8 p.m. And he goes, she's interested. This is our upcoming recording dates. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. I was yeah. kind of freaking out. I couldn't believe it. And then um I said, Well, this is a partnership obviously with Nylon Espanol. This is what we're doing. And he said, Yeah, I know that. We have an upcoming shoot, not with Nylon Espanol, but with Nylon for her upcoming album release. Wow. We'd love to see, since she's based in Mexico, if we can time the interview for when she's in Los Angeles for that shoot and around her album. And I just I sat there and I was like, Wow. Oh my god, thank you, Maurice. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like I can't believe you responded to me. Like it was such a – and I distinctly remember sitting there going like, well, why can't I reach out to these people? And I was putting together a list and I was sitting in the living room with my mom because I was with my mom Mm -hmm. and I put together – Everybody that I want, I wanted Sandra Cisneros. Mm. I wanted like here's all the icons that in a dream world I would want on Brown Girls Rising. And I go, you know what? F this. I'm just gonna start asking people. Yeah. And I pulled a Patty, as I call it. <laughs> I go, well, Patty, if Patty can do this, I remembered that story. And I was telling my mom that, going, well, she just googled the CEO of Max email. Like, why can't I do that? I was like, right. Here with my Google, my mom, cause of my chika chika enter fingers. <laughs> <laughs> going chika chika enter found you um that's so great and it really it is amazing how people like will respond to you Mm -hmm. and to your point the fact that like it's super cool when they do and and they want to do something some of our coolest guests that we have have come from just cold emails to say here's what we do and here's what we're about i think that you're awesome Mm -hmm. for this reason like what do you think right so you have inspired me. Oh, thank to help you. my to help my
1: hustle, my cold my cold outreach. And I hope we can inspire everyone else that's listening. Google people, Google is your best friend. You can do. I mean, what's not Googleable these days? There's there's no excuse to yeah. getting uh, to where you want to be and getting and having the life that you want. That's right. If you have a phone, you could do anything you want. I believe that,
0: mm-hmm. which leads me to your signature phrase: "Sin miedo." <laughs> um, <laughs> Every time I see you post things that say sin miedo, I I see it on Instagram, I see it on Facebook, and in my head I'm like, this girl's gonna drop a book. <laughs> this is like, this is the perfect title for a memoir, for talks, for everything. But I, I think the reason it's so perfect is you have to let go of that fear, right? Yeah. It's not about being fearless. No. It's about taking a stance in how you Embracing do it. Embracing the fear. It is. So tell us a little bit more about what sin miedo is for you, because I think it
1: it almost feels like a lifestyle. Yeah, it's it's a way of uh, the way I've been living my life uh, for I think my my whole life. I actually have a tattoo on what is this my form? Yep. It says sin miedo, which I got uh, as soon as I turned eighteen years old. Uh, so it's been a while. So it's, I've been, you know, I've been living by this ideology. I always get asked, what's your biggest challenge? And I'm my biggest challenge because I'm my, um I'm, I'm the one that believes in me the, the least. Yeah. And every time I go into something, I'm always scared. Like, oh, I'm scared of the, of the rejection. Right. I'm scared of, you know it's, it's, everything's, everything's, everything worth having is scary. You know, sending that email to the CEO yeah. was scary. He's like, you know, what is this guy going to think of this Mexican girl, you know, from LA? But I sit there and I said, okay, why do you feel this fear? And most of the times when we feel fear, it's because it's, it's actually good because you're going in the right direction mm-hmm. because it's your heart telling you this is where you belong and this is what you're supposed to do. So instead of me running away from the fear, I, I literally welcome it into my into my home and I literally tell it to sit down so it can watch me prove it wrong. Oh, I um, like that. So I that's I and I didn't intend for it to create like this mini movement the way it has been. I it's just it was mostly for myself. And now I see it, you know, where I get, you know, women reaching out to me and I, I've seen a few women already getting tattoos and they're like, you inspire me. And they yeah, have I would tattooed. get that tattoo. I would um, add to my collection with that. And I, and I think it's, I'm like, well, you know, that's amazing. That's very powerful. And, I, you know, and I hope, you know, you, you continue living your life sin miedo, embracing that fear, you know, challenging yourself every single day, growing mentally, especially in our communities. I feel that we're, we are not where we are supposed to be with um, women and people that can lead us and help us and hold us by the hand to take us to the pinnacle of what we can be as human beings and what we can do for our communities. And I'm taking that responsibility now that I'm a mother yep. to make these two men, because I have two boys, and create men that that love their community, that are proud of being Latinos, that are proud to being a... Uh, hyphenated americans but also being proud of to be an american yeah because this is our country and we're not going anywhere so we have to make this country even better yep and i think that's the reason why our families our grandparents well that is the reason our parents grandparents our great-grandparents they came to this country for a better life so we will be doing a disservice to them if we didn't take on that challenge to make this a better place for our children
0: you are 100% right. And I'm curious, as a leader in the community and you stepping up in the way that you have for women and just in general with your with your presence and all that you do in your community, as your role has shifted to more of a leadership position, how has your demographic kind of changed and now is as, as you've grown both in popularity through the ventures that you've had – um, and the opportunities that you've had, how has it changed the way how you view yourself? And has your leadership style changed as a result being so aware of the impact that you have?
1: I think everything changed the minute I had my first son. Mm. That's when I started seeing things differently. I think before my son, I was pretty much just walking like a zombie, trying to I, – I honestly don't didn't know where I was headed. I was just going with the motion. I was, you know, I'm working at a radio station, at the number one radio station in, in the country, in the world. Yep. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm good here. You know, I'm thinking, here's a Mexican-American girl working with one of the biggest talents in the world. Like, what more do I want?
0: P.S. It's on air with Ryan Seacrest, <laughs> in case you guys didn't catch that.
1: No but, big deal. Just Ryan Seacrest. But after I had my child, I said, well, you know, this is not just about me and about me just going with emotions. motions now there's substance in my soul and in my heart to make the world a better place because I want my child to have a better place and I and I'm very passionate about this I really want my children to be very proud of who they are and also be very proud of this country yeah and and now I'm aware and I actually gravitate and I look and I and I and I seek Members of my community that I can talk to and that I can touch, and then if I can share my story, and if that can lead them to go after who they, what they want to do, then I know what I'm doing is the right thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, you talk about raising sons that are are proud right? Proud to be, I I like how you use the term hyphenated American. I love that. Proud to be Mexican-American. Is that something, and we ask this to all of our guests on this show, is, you know, the name is obviously Brown Girls Rising. What does it mean to be a brown girl to you? And is that something you personally have held a
1: title where you feel pride or shame around? I think growing up, there was a little bit of shame. I think I was, um, embarrassed of the way I would talk because sometimes you know it it took a while but sometimes I don't pronounce the English words correctly. Is uh, English a second language for you? It is so there was a shame there and then um, you know I think growing up we have all you know been embarrassed and you know there's instances of growing up where I you know they're very they're very vivid where they would make fun of the way I would pronounce certain words. Mm. So you know that sticks with you. So there was some, some sort of shame in that and then I think growing up you know, you you want to get out of, of, your, of your environment so quickly. Yes. And you're like, you know, I can't wait to move out. I can't wait to get out of this city and become successful and make money. But I think if the quicker we learn that that does not matter, that instead of running away from your city and your community, instead of doing that and going back, the impact we can do yep. to make our cities better, our communities thrive. Yep. You know, that's the thing, like. I, I remember growing up wanting to run away so fast from there. Did you grow up in LA? I grew up, yeah, I grew up in LA um, in a little city um, in LA County, Linwood. I grew up in Paramount, North Long Beach. Girl, we were neighbors. I mean, so you know how it is. Oh, you I know. Definitely we know, know how it is. You know, oh, we're, yeah. Uh, we it's... went to San Felipe Neri. No. Yes. <laughs>
0: Let me just tell you that's how <laughs> Linwood we were because it was right on the other side. My parents live so border of North Long Beach that two streets up is considered. Paramount to the left is Compton and over the bridge is Lynwood. Is Linwood. And then Southgate. Oh. My parents man. got married there.
1: No way. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, that's um that's awesome. Like I, I love that. And you know, we need to go back to our city and oh, make yes. them better. And, and 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 I see that the people that are running the city of Linwood feel the same way too. And it makes me proud that they're, you know, working hard to make our cities better. So instead yes. of running away, go back to where you came from and just whatever it is uh mayor brown from compton yeah
0: we were introduced to her to be on this show (sighs) and um i love her i think she's like She's one of my other Instagram like girl crushes that I just die for her because she's an urban planner. She's the youngest mayor Compton's ever had. She's done and she's done so much for she rebuilt the transit hub yeah. at the Compton station on the blue line economic development. And I, I think to your point, it is so inspiring when we see young people like ourselves in our demographic that have chosen to serve the cities that made them. Right. And come back and truly create that.
1: And by serving doesn't mean run for office. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Taking a stance but so taking and a, doing something. Yeah, t- doing something positive in your life that will create change for others. You know, whether it's following your passion. Following your passion. That's taking a stance yep. and doing something for your community. And speaking of Compton, there was a story I read this morning about the first African-American woman owning a, a, a grocery store in Compton. Oh. And that to me was just like, like, I want to go shop there. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to support ourselves. You know, we're all a community, whether we're African-American, Latino, you know, all minorities, we're all a community. And it's not just about supporting the people that look like us, but supporting all of us because, you know, we're in this together.
0: We are in this (laughs) together. And I think that one of the unique ways that you serve and support your community, not just in the presence and the things that we've talked about, but you support our communities and how you keep our culture alive. I love the story of how you started Little Libros, especially because they're the stories that and the folk tales that we all like grew up with that are not they're not mainstream. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so Little Libros was an idea that was born after my son was born. So when I had this whole epiphany of um, trying to change the world because of my son, this is probably the the biggest outcome of that. And again, going back to being passionate about who I am and, ma- and ensuring that my children were raised proud of who they were, I wanted to include elements in my ch- in my child's life. I love reading. I love books. I love the smell. It was um something that I just did a lot growing up because you know it helped with my English a lot. Yeah. Reading did, and I was looking for bilingual books when I was pregnant. And there was very limited resources, very yep. limited uh, options out there. I was looking for something very specific. I had this vision in my mind of this book that I was looking for, and I googled it. I really googled this book, and I didn't find it. And I was really surprised that in this day and age, with our demographic, I really thought that I, I would I would see it there, and it and, and it didn't. And I said, you know, somebody really needs to do this. And I said, wait, somebody. Why can't I do it? Like you know, right. I, I can do this. Well, that's what I was thinking. You know, like sure I can do this. I could I could write a manuscript. I started writing the manuscript for this, for this series of books, and I sent it out, and I did get a, a few replies, a few responses. But those that did respond to me, they all they all said no, um, and I and I got really discouraged, and I gave up. I didn't even question them. I just gave up. I just. The monster inside me just said, "You're not a writer. You're who? do you think you are?" Clearly, this idea is not good. They all said no to it, and, and I'm not gonna lie. I gave up. A few years later, I lost my house to a fire. Nobody was home, which it's what matters. But it's a very stressful situation. Oh my it's God, very I can imagine. It's all your
0: belongings, all your memories, everything
1: that you ever worked for. All your you know your memories, your photos, your you know the the, the, the stuff that you hold on to that, you know, that you hope to keep for generations to come, it's all yes. gone. And I got really depressed and I started questioning my who I was as a as a woman, as a mother, as a Latina. And the books came back to mind and it really felt like this light came inside me. That's the only way I can describe it in this in this urgency, this yearning to make this happen right now. And I started sending the manuscript to independent publishers this time around. And I was actually on the phone with one of them. And I'm sharing my story with him. And he cuts me mid-sentence. And he says, Latinos don't read to their kids. You're wasting your time. Oh, that's so offensive. And that's exactly what I need to hear. Because that's what gave me like the, the fuel to say, okay, this is what they think of us. Well, we're going to prove them wrong. I called my best friend, Ariana. She had just had a baby and her, you know, she was also in that shifting stage of like you change when you become a parent and we're talking and we're both, you know, realizing that our, that our, our priorities and what we want to do with our community and what, how we want to present this world to our children are very much aligned. And we both decided to do this, to create little libros together and to change the world one book at a time. I know it sounds really cheesy. But I really feel that's exactly what we're doing. We're putting our culture and our community up right there next to all these other beautiful books that, you know, big companies have created. So here are these two hyphenated American girls of, you know, products of immigrant parents with zero experience. We knew nothing about publishing. We didn't even know, you know, how to get a, a barcode. And here we are trying to figure this out. But we're like, we're not going to give up, we're going to do this, we're going to create high quality books that our community and the world can see and be very proud of, to the point that you look at this, and you can't even believe that a Mexican created that. You know, that's how I feel personally, you know, because how we are seen, you know, many times by other groups, we're so excited and so happy of, you know, the the, the support that we received from from our community and, you know, our, our big uh, one of our first big supporters was Target. To see our books at Target, it's still pretty unreal.
0: Oh, like, yeah. My mom's seen <laughs> your books at Target. And when I told her we had you for the conference, she was like, what? <laughs> um, my mom works with adult special needs students in Paramount. And so a lot of her students, because Paramount, as we have said here many times, is like 98% Mexican and or related to each other. Everyone's your cousin somehow. right? <laughs> We're married to a cousin or a primo or something. And it's very small, one high school. And so my mom works with adult special needs students, 18 to 26. They're higher functioning special needs mm-hmm. students, but many of them don't read, mm-hmm. right? Or the processing capacity for information is not much older than, you know, say – a young child. My mom was telling me about parents that use your books oh. and read them to the, her students, and so my mom was very like, "You thought I fangirled." My mom had a whole oh. fangirl moment. That makes um, me really happy. But I love that it's the stories that like we grew up with. Like mm-hmm. I remember being little and you know hearing stories of like La llorona yes. right? Like <laughs> things they tell you. It's like when they tell you about the cuckoo. Like yes. they're trying to scare you now. Uh-huh. Like these are the things that you know. In fact. I, I was laughing. I was telling my boyfriend the other day. So he's Latino, but he's not Mexican. And he grew up on the East Coast, not here. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the same like stories and dialect. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what El Cucuy was. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Nadie te ha dicho? And he's like, I remember the Chupacabra. And I'm like, that's not the same. That's totally different. <laughs> that's interesting. Um. <laughs> so my point, though, is that, you know, keeping these stories alive that are that are part of our heritage.
1: Our identity. There are all these yeah. elements, you know, you put them all together and they create who we are, you know. Whether you speak Spanish or not, you know the Spanish language is very much part of our identity. I'm, you know, in addition to not just introducing our culture to our children, we're very Ariana and I are very much supporters of bilingual education.
0: Mm. And
1: you know this, I remember that went away. It did. Yeah. And um, you know, slowly it's coming back. There's been some uh, propositions, and you know, we're there's now seeing the the importance and uh, of the, having you know of knowing two languages we really want to ensure and we support and we encourage our parents to introduce languages to our children. It's some, you know, I think this country is uh, one of the few countries in the world that doesn't teach a second language language to our children at school and, and,
0: I remember we, growing up in elementary school and we still had ESL, ESL, mm-hmm. um, ESP classes. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was a shameful thing. Like if you had to take yes. those classes, that was not cool. Yeah, like, you were. That's almost as bad as taking the short bus to school. It was up there on the level of things that were – that branded you an outcast and or different. Definitely. And I know because my mom's worked for the school district for – she's going to retire next year, so probably – Almost thirty years now. No, thirty
1: years. It'll be thirty years uh this year in November. That's something you would want to hide from from everybody. Yeah. You will never you were never proud of saying I'm an ESL. Yeah. Just it and it's and it's sad. Yeah. Um and, and that's again going back to the conversation of shame. That was also, you know, a shame being part of being in those classes. But now looking back, I am so happy and so grateful that I we had those opportunities to con- you know, to keep both languages in our hearts. Yeah. And now as, you know, first generation and now these, you know, you know, this group of young hyphenated Americans, uh, we We see the importance and we can go and we can introduce this to our children and do it right this time with no shame. Yes. But with pride. Yes. Whatever second language it is, you know, yeah. but do it with pride because in the long run is going to benefit not our kids and ultimately our country and yeah. our planet. It is. It mm-hmm. truly,
0: truly is. I think that's so beautiful. I know for me, I learned Spanish because I wanted to keep up with my tías. <laughs> and I have the white dad, right? We're the only mixed kids in the family oh, for no. the longest time. So my dad was the poor, like, only gabacho forever. Um, la oh, yeah. And I
1: have,
0: the, I have the whitest name possible. Audrey Bellis is the whitest name possible.
1: Nobody can pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, on paper, nobody would ever know that you're... Oh, yeah, know. Latina. And even
0: in, when people meet me, they're like, I don't know, you look – you have big eyebrows. You look culturally ambiguous. Maybe you're Persian. <laughs> um, people – I get oh, everything man. except that. So I get really excited when people accurately identify me.
1: But, it's our struggle. It is. Yeah, when we it's, – uh, it's all these layers of just being seen differently and uh, – yeah, I mean, we can – this can go on for hours. Yeah, I am um, <laughs> – I know for me, learning Spanish was a
0: it was a big deal because we didn't speak it at home because my dad and quite frankly, my mom married the white guy. She went to school here. So Mm -hmm. even for my mom, she grew up in a time where it was not cool to speak Spanish like publicly. Right. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of uh, ways to be shaped around that. And so my T.S. would come over because my mom has a lot of siblings and they would sit and they would have postre. My mom's a very good baker and she <sighs> would make desserts and they would sit in what we called the rincón de chisme. They would sit in the kitchen and they would have their cafecito and they would have their postre and they would talk. And I was a very nosy child. Like I was I was older, right? I was like a little adult for a little kid. I wanted to be around. And so that they wouldn't, I wouldn't repeat things. They used to say things in Spanish. Until I got wise enough and I picked it up. And then they started doing like the pig Latin in Spanish. I don't know if your family does that. They're like, no? No. Oh my God. It's like, I
1: mean, I think I did that in, in elementary oh, school, so, junior high. <laughs> so they
0: do it. And that was really when they were trying to like keep secrets from us so that we wouldn't go repeating. So then I had to learn that. And I'll never forget this. My tia Julia, who's the oldest and always encouraged us to speak Spanish, she used to take us to mass in Spanish so that we could learn properly. That's great. I wear the veil. That's great. Um, And so my tia Julia wanted me to go – I wanted to go see Disney on ice because her company that she used to work for gave her tickets. Mm -hmm. And she goes, "Ika, I'll take you, but you have to learn Spanish if you want to go. And I used to love Mexican candy. She goes, and if you're really good, I'll take you to the Buena Dulceria, which back then was just like, I didn't know that there was a Buena Dulceria or a Mala. There really wasn't. It was just, she used to call it the Buena Dulceria for good girls. That's yeah. where you used to go. And it was like the <laughs> Centro. It was like just some whatever. <laughs> Los like, yeah. And But I was a little girl and you couldn't get that at Vaughn's. Right. Like, they didn't have that then. It wasn't trendy. And I remember practicing so hard. And my mom used to like Pandora and she used to have- Oh, oh. I love
1: that band oh my God. or she that used, group. <laughs> yeah, she
0: used to have one of their CDs and I remember being like eight years old and I used to take it into my room because I, I had a Sony boombox <laughs> and I used to play it over and over and practice my Spanish because I wanted to go see Disney on ice and my tia wasn't going to take me if my Spanish wasn't good enough. And I distinctly remember that. She took me and then she took me to the dul- dulceria and I remember buying a box of mazapanes
1: <laughs>
0: and not knowing that they were called mazapanes because it has the brand of de la rosa on the outside Uh i used to tell her i wanted the de la rosa (laughs) once and um and that was a big deal for me and i always felt so much more connected to my mom and my tias because i could sit at the table with them and understand what they were saying whereas my sister who's six years younger than me sarah never learned spanish until she was significantly older Mm -hmm. and her spanish has a very heavy accent and for the most part she understands but she struggles with words still and it's not something that's a part of her daily experience whereas like I watch novelas with my mom. I listen to music in Spanish. I play the violin. So I have mariachi experience, like things where I felt so much more culturally tied. And truly, like, I feel like my life has been enriched and continues to be so because of those opportunities.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, uh, knowing Spanish, not knowing Spanish doesn't make you any less Latino, but it definitely is a window to... To being more, you know, a step connected. closer connected yeah. to your culture, and and I love it. And I'm gonna, you know, I I my son Alexander, he's bilingual.
0: Mm. He's
1: six years old, and it takes it takes a lot of effort because you're surrounded by the English language everywhere. So you know, but I made it a very conscious effort of only speaking to him in, in Spanish, uh, just like your tia. He only watch uh, Spanish television, the movies. I dubbed them in Spanish. Mm. All the books at home are in Spanish music he listens in sp- uh, spanish music we're listening yeah. to old spanish no old not old for him but you know i play vicente fernandez for oh him oh my gosh i play maná i play selena i play juan gabriel pandora yeah. like um Marisela, like all those songs that i used to hear my mom playing yes i i'm playing them back for my son so he's yeah. just surrounded and just he can feel the fire and he just he's and and, and and that makes me so happy to be able to introduce that to him. Yeah. That's my way of giving him a little bit of who we are. And and he and I really hope that, you know, as they get older, they keep that and they do that for their children. Yeah, I know I will. Yeah. Patty, it's been incredible having you. Where can our audience connect with you? They can uh, follow me on Instagram at pattyrodriguez Rodriguez and they can find our books at little underscore libros. Fabulous. And at Target. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm Audrey Bellis and this has been Brown Girls Rising we hope this episode has inspired you for more visit browngirlsrising.com follow us socially on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at Worthy Women LLC and at Brown Girls Rising for future episodes until next time